We're so glad that y'all have joined us online for worship today, and we're positive that God has something specifically to speak just to you. We want you to know that you are always welcome here at First Baptist Azel, and that you can connect with us by going online to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. Now let's hop back into the sermon and hear what God has for us today. Genesis chapter 16, beginning in verse 3. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Maybe the strangest verse in the Bible. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words and what they mean and how you work through their lives in whatever situation. Help us to understand your sovereignty today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, When God Says No. When God Says No. Roxanne came in this morning and I, I told her, I said, hey, the, the, the message I, I entitled today, When God Says No, and she said, oh, great. <laughs> because we don't want to hear when God says no. We want to hear about when God says yes. And we like the ideal of God saying yes. I like the ideal of God saying yes. But what do we do when God says no? Because God does say no. So what do we do when God says no? This really sprang from a couple of um, uh, passages and uh, incidents that happened in the past. Just a few weeks ago, I shared with you about the disciples when I preached on faith. Uh, You know, I preached on uh, faith, hope, and love. And when I preached on faith, the disciples who had no faith early on in their ministries tried to heal a boy that was possessed and they couldn't do it. Every one of them failed and Jesus told, they didn't know why. Jesus said, well, I'll tell you why. You don't have any faith. He said, even if you had little, uh, real faith, even as small as a mustard seed, a small amount of faith, you could say to this mountain, go from here to there, and it would do it. And so I, I did, in the middle of that sermon, say that if you want God to do miracles in your life, you need to have faith. Now, that's true. But I don't want to give you the false impression that if you just have enough faith, God will give you whatever you want or do whatever you're asking because that's just not biblical. In fact, time and again in the Bible, we see sometimes God says no. Has God ever said no to you? Is he saying no to you right now about something? The Israelites experienced God saying no. When in Numbers chapter 14, they decided to enter into the promised land and take it by force. Do you remember that? The problem is God had already said no to them. He said no. Because he called them to go into the promised land and take the promised land. And they were terrified, sent out the 12 spies. Ten of the 12 spies came back and said, compared to these mighty Canaanites, we are like uh, helpless grasshoppers to them. They're, they're huge. We, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb were the only two holdouts. And they complained to God. They said, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's have another plan. And God had had enough of the Israelites at that point. So God said, well, I tell you what, you don't want to do it? All right, that's fine. I'll pick the next generation. You, however, are going to go back into the wilderness for the next 40 years. And when you're all dead, I'll take your kids and we'll come back and try it again. Well, that gave them an attitude adjustment. 
They suddenly changed their mind. They were all repentant and felt terrible. And they said, okay, we can do it. The problem with God had already said no. So they went into the promised land and went to battle and they all lost. You know the story well. And uh, after that terrible defeat, they ended up doing what God told them to do back into the wilderness for 40 years. David experienced God saying no. He had an affair with Bathsheba. You remember that famous uh, scene and that passage where he uh, saw her and wanted to have her. And the problem is she was a married woman. He actually had, uh, he fathered a child with Bathsheba. And because of David's sin, God allowed the child to die. David, in the days that the child was sick as an infant, pled with God. I mean, he begged God not to allow the child to die, but the answer was no. David again experienced God's, uh, God saying no in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. This is later in his years. He desperately wanted to build a temple dedicated to God in Jerusalem. But God said to David, because you have blood on your hands, the answer is no. I'm going to let your son Solomon build it instead. So David never saw the great temple of Solomon. Paul experienced God saying no in first, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he asked God three times to remove a physical um, a thorn in his flesh, a physical disability that he had. And three times God says no. The answer was no. God said he wanted him to understand that his grace was sufficient for Paul. And God had a plan and a purpose for saying no. Jesus himself experienced God the Father saying no. And he was perfect in Luke chapter 22. When he was in the last few hours and minutes of his life before he was arrested, tried, and crucified, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And he acknowledged, your will be done, not my will, but your will be done. But in the midst of that, he said, Father, if, it, if you are willing, would you take this cup from me? And the answer was no. Probably the most painful no God the Father ever gave, he would not stop the crucifixion. So what happens when God says no to you or to me? Well, there are a few vitally important things that we need to keep in mind when that happens. And that brings us to our passage for today. The first thing that we need to keep in mind when God says no is that he still loves us. When God says no to you, he still loves you. A few months ago, we were going through the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights, and we came to this passage about Hagar. Hagar is not as famous as Abraham and Sarah. Do you remember? In fact, from what I read a while ago, Abraham was already in his 80s. He was an old dude. And Sarah was an old gal. Bless her heart. And God had promised many times over the years to Abraham and to Sarah both, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you. Your offspring will be as, as numerous as the sands on the seashore or the stars in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That's quite a promise. And he promised again and again and again. There's no child. So Sarah uh, came, or Sarai, who became Sarah, came to Abraham and said, uh, I tell you what, I've got this, 
again, they're, they're quite elderly at this point, and so she says, I, I, I got plan B. Uh, obviously, I don't know if God forgot or, or what happened, but I've got this younger servant named Hagar. Why don't you uh, take her and have a kid with her? And Abraham said, yeah, good idea. Let's do that. And uh, so that's what happened. But a problem developed. No sooner had Hagar conceived and realized she was going to have a child when there became tension between her and Sarah. Uh, you talk about an awkward family situation. This was awkward. So when God says no, he still loves us. And so we're going to look in this passage today at how God showed his love, not so much to Abraham and Sarah. We've looked at that. I want to look today at God's love for Hagar when he said no. Genesis chapter 16, verse 4. Would you turn there with me? Genesis chapter 16, verse 4 says this. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. That's not a compliment, by the way. When she says, may the Lord judge between you and me, she's, she's saying, I can't wait to judgment day. I know God's going to get you. Wives, I know you would never say it to your husbands, but uh, she's out to get him at this point. She's mad. So tensions develop immediately. How can they not develop uh, when Sarah, after all of these decades, trying to conceive a child can't, and immediately Hagar becomes pregnant? Verse 6, your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Let me stop there just a moment. We don't know what the mistreatment was. If it was verbal uh, mistreatment, psychological mistreatment, or physical mistreatment, she hit her. We don't know. But we know that it was genuine mistreatment. She treated her badly. And so here Hagar is despising uh, Sarah. Sarah is mistreating Hagar. And so it just gets worse and worse. So uh, she mistreated her to the point that Hagar fled. She ran away took off. Now, there's a, there's a problem. Uh, Hagar is now carrying the son of Abraham. So, because she carries his son, she is a part of the blessing to some extent. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Which is, oh, by the way, we don't belong to us, we belong to God. Hagar didn't belong to Hagar, she belonged to God. And her son belonged to God. And God had another plan. And so she runs off. And then verse 7, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. If you wondered where, wondered where that spring is, it's near Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, <clears throat> so an angel comes down and he says, Hey, where, where are you from? Where are you heading? Now, of course, the angel already knows. It's the angel of the Lord. He knows where she's been. He knows where she's headed. Where is she headed, by the way? Nowhere. She has no idea where she's going. She's just running away. Have you ever known anybody like that? Just running to be running. And so, where are you going? And, um, and, so, uh, and so he said, Hagar, in verse 8, 
servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Sometimes God says no, because it's the only loving thing to say. I have three children, and as a parent, I say no to my children. Do you not, as a parent, those of you who are parents, say no to your kids because you love them? If a parent never says no to their kid, they're a terrible parent. And you're going to have a terrible kid as a result. You have to say no. Mom, Dad, can I, can I eat this 10 pounds of candy all at once that I got for Halloween? No. Can I have $1,000 for this electronic game thing? No. You have to say no as a parent. If you just say yes, 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 they'll be spoiled rotten and good for nothing. So you have to say no. I almost anticipate my children coming to me. I've got good at it. They'll say, Dad. I'll say, no. <laughs> they don't even have to ask me. Because I know often if we just say yes all the time, it is not the most loving answer that you can give. I want you to know today that you are not alone, just as Hagar was not alone. Your spouse has left you. Your loved one has died. The kids have grown and moved away. Your friends that were so dear to you have moved on in life. But God is still there. Even though the answer may be no, He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. You are not alone. The second thing you need to understand is when God says no, it is for your benefit. When God says no, He still loves us. And secondly, when God says no, it is for our benefit. Look with me down in verse 9. Same conversation. This is the response the angel gives, and it's not the response I assure you she wanted to hear. It's a, a directive and a promise. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will become too numerous to count. Now the first directive, the first statement is a directive, and he says, I want you to go back. Now she has just told the angel, I've run away because my, uh, my mistress is mistreating me. Sarah's mistreating me. And so the, you would think, and I, I'm assuming she would assume that the angel would say to her, okay, good, good, good that you got out of that situation, bad scene. I need you to go to this town or to that town. We're going to take care of it. You don't need any of that negativity in your life anymore. To her shock, he doesn't say that. God sometimes shocks us with his reply. And so his reply was, not only do I want you, not want you to go somewhere else, I want you to go back into that situation. Ooh, that's tough. Boy, sometimes when God says, no, it's tough. It's hard. Not easy. Not claiming it's easy. But then he makes this wonderful promise. He says, look, I'll tell you what, Hagar, I want you to go back. But God says, I want you to know how it's going to end. It's going to end good. You're going to like this. I'm going to make your descendants so numerous that you can't even count them all. Now, the descendants of what? The descendants of the child that she's carrying right then. 
which means she's not going to die in the desert. Her son is not going to die in the desert. It's going to be okay. God's going to take good care of them. If you and I could see at the end of the li- our life and we say it all works out, wouldn't we worry a lot less? Well, God is telling you right now, he's going to take care of you. He's going to make it work out. We shouldn't be worrying right now. We shouldn't have to see our life story ahead of time just to know that God's going to take care of us. You've got to trust. Sometimes when God says no, it's actually for our benefit. Now notice, she didn't actually pray to God. She didn't say, God, would you provide a place for me or a way for me? She doesn't say anything. Uh, rather, she took a course of action that was contrary to God's plan. And God said, nope, you got to go back. Most of you have been around very long. You and I, we've all taken paths that were contrary to God's plan. We're going in this direction. We feel sure this is what we need to do. This is the way. God ought to see this. I don't even need God to add two plus two. This is the way to go. That's the opportunity. That's the chance of a lifetime. That's the one. That's the place. I'm going to do that. God says, nope, that's not my plan. You need to trust me. It's for your benefit. Sometimes God doesn't only say no to our requests. He actually says no to our plans. In Leadership Magazine, Ben Patterson wrote a story about the time when he was in pain. It was the spring of 1980 when he had been diagnosed with two herniated discs in his back. Some of you know that pain. All he could do, he said, was lie on the floor. He couldn't get up to preach or visit people or anything. He was absolutely helpless. All he could do was lie on the floor for days and days and days and days. Couldn't get up. Ever been there? He thought, what a worthless waste of time. So he began to pray, he said later in his testimony, for God to remove that pain so he could get up and be valuable in the kingdom. And he still had pain day after day. Couldn't get up. Finally, one day, he decided to take the church directory that he had, since he couldn't do anything else, and he decided to start praying for his congregation. So he went right down the list alphabetically, one member at a time, one family at a time. He began to pray and pray and pray, day after day, because that's all he could do. And he said that his prayer life during that time went to a place it had never been before. Not only was it a powerful time of prayer for his congregation, but he said after his back got better, what he learned during that difficult time affected his prayer life for the rest of his ministry. And so it may be God is saying no to you right now because he's preparing you for the yes that is to come, for the good days that are to come. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But God, when he says no, it is for our Benefit. So Hagar had to go back, face her abuser. And the directive was, go back. Did you see this? He says, I want you to go back to Sarah and do something. What was it? Oh, man. He says, I want you to submit to her. You know how hard that would have been? She probably was walking really slow on the way back, thinking, well, I'll go back, but I'm not submitting to anybody. I've got the baby. She ain't got no baby. Blah, 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 blah. I should be the wife. She should, she should leave. And, and you know, all kinds of things are going through her head. And the fact that she has to go back and face her, but not only that, she has to submit to her was a difficult thing. Famous Christian author C.S. Lewis once wrote, 
We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. (laughs) Because sometimes the Christian life is not the easiest life. It is the best life. So when God says no, it's because he loves us. He still loves us. And when he says no, it is for our benefit. Number three, when God says no, it is for his glory. When God says no, it is always for his glory. Job experienced God saying a great big no in his life. When he demanded throughout the book of Job that God answer him because Job is crying out. If you remember that story in that passage or that book, Job was a stand-up guy, but when one day he lost all of his family except his wife, and she was awful. Uh, she said, curse God and die, and, never, and we'd never hear from her again. But he lost his kids, he lost his, his uh, um, fortune, all of his crops, all of his animals, everything died. And then he became covered in boils and sores, he lost his health. And so he went from the top of the world to the bottom in one day. One day. And so he had three friends as if he wasn't enough pain. He had three of his friends, so three of his closest friends come to him to try to help him. Do you remember the three friends? It was Bildad the Shuhite, who my professor said the shortest man in the Bible. (laughs) Bildad the Shuhite. Get it? Shuhite? Okay. Shofar and Eliphaz. Those were the three friends. And they took turns throughout the book of Job, going to Job and say, Job, you had this coming. You did something awful bad. That's why God is doing this. Just confess up right now. Get it, get it off your chest. We are willing to listen to you repent. And once you repent, this will all be over with, you dirty dog. We don't know why you're a dirty dog. We only know that you are. Otherwise, this wouldn't be happening. Now, Job hadn't done a thing to deserve it. You know that, and I know that. Job knew that. So he began to pray to God for a couple of things. Number one, he wanted God to heal him, obviously. He wanted God to restore him. But also, he really, really, really wanted God to reveal to his three obstinate friends that he hadn't done anything wrong. He's a stand-up guy. And so he demanded that God answer him. Ooh, watch out there now. We can ask God, but you have to be careful. We are not God, and we don't have a right to tell him what to do. I don't care how righteous you think you are, or I think I am, or Job thought he was. So what did God do? God answered Job. (laughs) It's a long passage. I'm just going to read a little excerpt. Job chapter 40, verse 6 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. You're so righteous, Job. He says, why don't you fix your own problems? God is putting him in his place. Now, why did God do this? Here's, God had a plan for Job. What's the plan? 
We, we know, we've, if you've read the book, at the end uh, of the, the book, God restores Job. He restores his health. He restores his family, gives him another family. He restores his wealth. In fact, the Bible says he has more wealth and more blessing in his life than he'd ever had in, in the past. So God's plan for this stand-up guy, uh, his servant, was to just bless the socks off of him. That's God's plan. But in order for that to happen, God needed Job to be patient and trust that God was going to take care of him. And that's where Job had failed. In other words, God had plans to bless Job. Remember the whole thing happened as a conversation between God and Satan. And God had plans for Job, not just for Job's benefit, but God had plans for Job in order to bring glory to God. Whatever God's plan is for your life, listen to me, look at me just a minute. Listen, whatever God's plan is for your life, it is first and foremost to bring glory to God. And whatever happens in your life, whether you're the most famous person in the world or nobody ever hears of you or remembers you a day, if a million people come to your funeral or not one person shows up, if God is glorified in your life, mission accomplished. Because great is your reward in heaven. The first and greatest purpose of our life is to bring glory to God. And so when God says no, it is for his glory. Remember, God has an agenda as a creator or as our creator. He's entitled to an agenda. And the function, the purpose of our existence is to bring God glory. John chapter 15 verse 8 says it this way. This is the words of Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. Listen to what he says. This is to my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's why we're, to call, we're called to bear fruit. Our fruit in the kingdom brings God glory. When God says no, it's because he loves us. When God says no, it is for our benefit. When God says no, it's for his glory. But also, when God says no, it is often to protect his yes in the future. Now, this is odd. I love how the word of God works. So, so Hagar is out in the middle of nowhere. She has nowhere to go and she has nothing. And an angel shows up. She goes back. The years pass. And the same thing happens again. This time, Ishmael is not in her tummy. He's a teenager. And there was tension because what happened was Sarah conceived and bore a son named who? Isaac. Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And so she has Isaac. Isaac was plan A, God's plan. Hagar and Ishmael was plan B, Abraham and Sarah's plan. So two plans, God's plan, Sarah's plan. Uh, and so uh, now that they have plan A, plan A worked out okay. So I don't need the backup plan anymore. So we just kick her right out. Boom. Girl goes plan B. That's exactly what happened. She found herself out in the wilderness again. Here's the story. Genesis chapter 21 verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave, her, they gave them to Hagar. <clears throat> he set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. 
she went on her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. Uh, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. She went off and sat down nearby, about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and, uh, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? I said to the early service, if an angel ever asks a dumb question in the Bible, this is it. <laughs> She's been booted out of the house with her only son into the desert of Beersheba. And it's a desert. There's nothing out there. Abraham packed for her a picnic lunch and some water. They went out in the middle of the desert. They drank the water, ate the food, and they sat down to die. Hagar thought, you know, I can't bear to, send, to watch the boy die. I can't, I can't watch him die. So she put him under a bush, and she went, what it says, uh, about an arrow throw away, whatever that is, uh, uh, and sat down, and she began to weep. Well, apparently the boy is crying, too, under the bush. So the boy's crying, and mom's crying. There's a lot of crying going on. And they're crying because they're going to die. Where you go? You talk about rock bottom. And then... God shows up. An angel shows up, the representative of God. And he says to Hagar, what? What's the matter? <laughs> you know, she had to start laughing. What do you mean, what's the matter? I'm dying. My kid's over there dying. Can't even bear to look at him. I got no food, got no water, got no home, got nowhere to go. It's all come to this. Apparently, she'd forgotten all about that promise God had made to her. <clears throat> so... He says this, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. He says, I remind you, Hagar, I have a plan for you. And I have a plan for your son. I don't care if you have nowhere to go. I'm going to make my plan happen. I don't care if you've got nothing to eat or drink. I'm going to make my plan happen. I don't care what's happened in the past of your life. I'm going to make my plan happen in your life. So no, I say no to your death. I say no to your dying and your son dying. I have another plan for you. And it is to make your son into a great nation. Hagar might have asked the angel, and it doesn't say that she did, can I have a little more water or a little more food? Hagar plans to survive, but God plans to bless her for countless generations. So God had her go, face the fire, and then come to the moment of deliverance. Has God ever said no to you? Is he saying no to something in your life right now? There is a reason that if he said yes, it would interfere with his plans for you. I, I fell in love when I was 18 years old. Uh, and I, I probably would have married that girl in a heartbeat, but uh, I asked her out on a date and she said no. <laughs> so I never went on a date. But in my little 18-year-old mind, no offense, 18-year-old, I had it all worked out. But see, if God had said yes, 
to my request then, then there would have been no Terry. There would have been no Isaac or Luke or Gabrielle. So I thank God he said no. Because he had a yes waiting for me. A much better yes than what I had planned at the time. When Cherry and I uh, were uh, getting ready to get married, she was here and, and we were making our wedding plans. I put out a resume to a church up in Collin County. That's North Dallas. It was a big growing area at the time. And it was a larger church that was doing a church plan. It was a brand new church. New congregation, core group. And I thought, this is perfect. I got a brand new wife. I'm going to have a brand new ministry. And this will be a brand new church in a growing uh, area of Dallas. It's being funded by a big church. It's got money. That's perfect. Yes, God, yes. Oh, God, send me to that church. That's, that's what I think, you know, two and two. I don't even need God to tell me I already. No, that's the thing to do. But God said, no. He didn't want me in Collin County. Strangely, he wanted me right on the edge of Tarrant County. <laughs> um, Parker County is right behind this building right here, 30 feet behind us. I also put out a resume in Hawaii. I know I probably told you this before. And there was a, a, a church in Hawaii that needed a pastor. Hawaii has a lot of Filipinos. My wife is Filipino. We thought, ooh, that's a good fit. I bet God wants us in Hawaii. And, uh, uh, you know, it just, it just made sense. So God had this church contact us on our honeymoon. We came and interviewed. I accepted the position. And two weeks into the position here, I got a call from the pulpit committee in Hawaii. And they said, oh, yeah, come on out. We want to interview you. Well, you, you can't resign after two weeks. <laughs> but, you know, that was God's way of saying No. Going to Hawaii would have been a disaster because that's not God's plan. It's hard to believe, but Azel is better than Hawaii. <laughs> Amen. More conservative, that's for sure. But I'm so thankful I'm not in Hawaii. That's not where God wanted me. And so God's no then. He said no because he didn't want it to interfere with his yes to come. If God is saying no in your life right now, I want you to rejoice. Because God doesn't want his yes for you to be interfered with right now. And so now he has to say no. One last quick illustration. When we went to buy this property right here. Here's the plan. It's a good plan. It was my plan. Not God's plan. It's my plan. I love my plan. It's a good plan. Here was the plan. We had two acres over there. This was 11 and a half acres over here. We were going to buy this land in faith. And no sooner did we buy this land, God was going to provide. We were going to put, put that land up for sale. God immediately was going to give us a buyer for that land. And we're going to take that land and pay for this land. Then we're going to build a big building. That didn't happen. I don't know if God didn't get the memo or what, but we bought this land and put that land up for sale. And a month went by, nothing. Six months, nothing. A year, nothing. Two years, nothing. Three years, nothing. Four, five. We just waited and waited and waited. Now, what I didn't know in my brilliant plan was, we, we didn't, there was Walmart. 
there was no Walmart here. There was only a Chicken Express on the, actually it was not, it was a church's chicken on the corner, right on 199, and then there was Sonic, and all the rest was just houses. None of these businesses were here. There's no Walmart. Walmart came in. I had no idea this was going to happen. Right down the street, some years later, and when Walmart came in, the value of our property skyrocketed. So that we sold that little two acres for a lot more than it cost this 11 and a half acres with a parsonage on it. We got more for that than we got we have paid for this. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know about God's plan. But God knew about God's plan. And he took care of it perfectly. He said no for years because he wanted us, I think, to get maximum value out of that land so that we could pay for our building on this land. God is good. Amen. So if God has a no for you this week, rejoice because he's protecting his yes in the future. That is the beauty of when God says no. Pray with me. Father, we thank you and praise you for your perfect plan. Forgive us when we're like Sarah. We want to throw out a plan B. Makes perfect sense to us. And we struggle with our faith and we mess everything up. We thank you for the times that you say no. We are reminded that your purpose for us is not the same as our purpose for us. To have the easy life, to live in luxury, to have no problems, to have smooth sailing. But your purpose for us is to grow us, grow us up in you, to mature us spiritually so that we are mature and, and spiritually powerful people that we can grow your kingdom and bear good fruit and bring you glory. Help us to remember that your plans for us are eternal, that you're concerned about what happens now because it has implication 20 billion years down the road. You know exactly where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing in heaven 20 billion years from now. We don't know. We don't even comprehend that, but you do. You've already seen it. Help us to trust you when the answer is yes and when the answer is no. As you're praying, no one's looking around. I want to challenge you today to come before your God and say, God, I submit to your will. Not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes that's easy to do and sometimes that's excruciatingly difficult. You may be like Hagar wondering, how did I get in this situation? Why is this happening to me? I've hit rotten bottom. Nothing could be worse in my life and God is saying, no, 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 you're exactly where I want you to be. I'll take care of it. I've got plans. Will you trust him? And maybe you want to come and kneel and pray about that no or that situation or pray for somebody you know is struggling right now with that very thing because a lot of people hear no from God and they abandon his church and they abandon the relationship with God because they expect everything to be yes. They don't understand the beauty of when God says no. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe God is calling you to accept Christ and give your life to Him. Or maybe you or your spouse want to join with First Baptist Church. You want to come down and say, today, Pastor, our answer is yes. We believe that God is calling us to minister here. We want you to know you are welcome here in this place. If God is leading, we're right where you are. God, maybe because God wants you to spend some time in prayer about that. No. 
as God is leading, would you stand right where you are? No one's looking around. Everyone's praying. And as you stand and as you pray right now, this invitation is for you. You come. Well, thanks for joining us today online for our worship service. We hope that you are ministered and encouraged to while you're with us. And we just want to remind you that you can connect with us online by going to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. We hope to see you again next week.